This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You're late. Report. Uh, Right. So, per your orders, and since his release from Arkham six months ago... I've been keeping occasional tabs on Jervis Tetch, a.k.a. the Mad Hatter. Two weeks ago, I brought along my squad, Spoiler, Arrowette, and Orphan. That's Tetch? For a Mad Hatter, he's kind of, well, hatless. No hats. It's a condition of his parole. So, do we bust him for littering? Hmm. Clay backwash. Ugh, Gross. So you're thinking... Yeah, it's possible anyway. We need to find a way to check. Wait. Where's Orphan? You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 107. The show is, of course, brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman. And Robin, whom is celebrating 80 years this year, and we're part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. We're also associated with Batman on Film through their podcast network, BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. So through the two podcast networks, you can get a hold of our shows and a whole plethora of other shows, and hopefully shows that are featuring Robin this year. Uh, you can get a hold of us on all the social media outlets. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves a Drake. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can find us on Instagram if you like to email into the show. This year, we want to get more correspondence back and forth with people. So if you want to drop us a line, old school, like I keep saying, like emails, not what people do anymore, Rob. That's what Grandpa used to do. But if you want to dust off your keyboard and send, type an email, you can do so at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. And Terrence is operating, and this is now poke at Terrence. Sorry, Terrence. (laughs) But uh, he is operating the YouTube page, and we haven't done a whole lot there, but I think that's going to be changing here over the next month or two. But there is a YouTube page, Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. Like I said, I'm your host, Rob, and this is the official start of our 80th anniversary celebration for Robin. As you heard in a couple of our promos, yes, I'm opening the door to all Robins and all forms of media, just not comic books. So it's not like, hey, when you come on the show, you can only talk about Tim Drake and only these specific issues. Somebody could like Damien, Stephanie, Carrie, you know, the whole Carrie only has a very few <laughs> issues out there. If you include the new 52, she did uh, break into the new 52 a little bit. So, but this is going to encompass everything Robin this year with our alternating back and forth between our 90s comic coverage, then hopefully if I've got enough guests lined up, every other episode will be the 80th anniversary celebratory episode. So on this one, our very first guest is Mr. Mike Staley from Cassandra Kane podcast, Silent Night. And if you are not listening to this podcast, 
A, you're doing yourself a disservice. So pause this right here. Go check his show out. So, Mike, how are you doing the, this afternoon, sir? Hello, everyone. I am very good. I actually just finished eating lunch right before <laughs> we started here. So I am feeling quite full and, you know, quite good. Yeah, and this is where we're going to be sitting back and watching something. So this is just a perfect opportunity for that food coma to sit in and go, oh, this was a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, this is going to be a lot of fun. I had just recently done uh, your show, uh, the two shows that you had going on. And uh, uh, thank you very much for inviting me over there. That was a lot of fun. And our two favorite characters, you're a little bit farther ahead than we are as you know, with Cassandra Kane, but we're slowly catching up. We're just now into contagion. So Cassandra Kane's not that far off in the uh, distant future for us. So definitely when she starts to hit Gotham city, we're going to have to pull you back over for uh, some of those issues. And I've always had a soft spot for Cassandra Kane. I've always kind of liked the Stephanie Brown version of Batgirl, but some of my earliest version uh, memories of Batgirl was Cassandra Cain, and I love my uh, first appearance uh, Cassandra Cain Batgirl figure. Her costume is just so cool on the black. So for this episode, we're going to be doing a commentary track, and I'm going to turn this over to you. Uh, Why did you choose this to be part of the 80th anniversary for Robin and what's your connection with it? And then we'll, we'll start from there. Well, um, of course, what we're going to be watching here is uh, Young Justice Outsiders, which is season three of Young Justice episode eight. And I picked this episode because it is uh, an episode I actually had planned on looking at myself anyway. And of course it features both Cassandra Kane and mm. Tim Drake. It also features Nightwing, so we've actually got uh, two Robins in there. Yeah. And I knew that this would be a fitting uh, thing to look at here on your show because Tim Drake is featured in one of these segments in this actually telling the story of what we're going to be seeing on it. So mm-hmm. so now we like the second question to be would be, you know, what are your what were you picking? So we know that it's going to be uh, season three of uh, Young Justice. The bigger question is, who is your favorite Robin and why? Well, to be honest, my favorite Robin is pre-Crisis on Infinite Earths, Jason Todd, Mm, a.k.a. Dick Grayson, Mark II. (laughs) (laughs) The, The reason for this is when I was a kid, a friend of mine and I would constantly pull out our uh, Batman action figures and, you know, play Batman. And I was always uh, Robin. Mm -hmm. And um, the Robin that I usually played was Jason Todd, because at that time, uh, I have a uh, one of the Mayfair uh, Batman role playing game guides. Oh, wow. Yeah. Based in that book, it is Jason Todd Robin, the Mm. pre-crisis version. So that's what we based our play on. So whenever I played Robin in those games, I would be the Jason Todd Robin. Um, so as such, that character has always had a very special place in my heart, even though nowadays, you know, Jason Todd is completely different from that since mm-hmm. now the Jason Todd that we see, even New 52, is based more on the post-crisis version of right. Jason, which is kind of funny because that's the version that people didn't like and actually voted to kill. Yet <laughs> right. that's the one that has stuck around. Yeah. And I, what I always thought was really interesting with Jason's first introduction was he was essentially just a carbon copy of Dick Grayson. Like, oh, well, Dick Grayson should be an acrobat and well, we'll make Jason Todd's parents acrobats. And his first appearance is also tied with another character's first appearance, Killer Croc, mm-hmm. like all, all in one issue. And I just recently have been going through, I have all the first appearances of all of the Robins, with the exception of Dick Grayson, because I don't have, you know, like $3,000, but I have some wonderful, you know, Toys R Us. trade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a trade, yeah. But uh, Jason Todd's first appearance pre-crisis was something that I had always, you know, been wanting that was kind of... Quasi like the Robin Holy Grail for me. That's as close to the Dick Grayson origin as I could get is Jason Todd's first 
original origin. Now I've got both, you know, his first time as Robin in both. And now his first appearance is, you know, just Jason Todd by himself. But what I keep forgetting in that issue, that Killer Croc is also in there for the very first time. So like in one issue, I got a two for one with uh, with two characters. Yeah, and Croc was very different Oh yeah, at that point than he would become. He was a lot less uh, savage and monstrous and more of your typical mob boss character mm-hmm. who just happened to be kind of, uh, you know, Croc featured. Yeah. Another question I have for you, now going into Robin's 80th anniversary a little bit, does, in the day and age that we're living in, does Batman still need a Robin and vice versa? Do they still need each other? Should we still be seeing Batman and Robin tied together in the comic books? Or have they grown apart enough that they can survive with without each other, so to speak? I think they're capable of surviving without each other, but the whole idea behind Robin was supposed to be to kind of lighten up the darker Batman. And um, actually, there have been some cases where they reversed that, specifically when it was uh, Dick Grayson was Batman and uh, Damien was Robin. Mm -hmm. They kind of reversed that and had uh, Batman as the lighter side to Robin being the darker element. And I still think that that can work well as a as a joint of the the one side keeping things a little bit lighter while the other is the is the darker side of it. Obviously with uh, Damien, he is less likely to help Batman stay lighter because of, you know, the way the character was raised, you know, mm-hmm. raised by the League of Assassins. You know, he's not going to be that lighter side other than, you know, the humor that a lot of people get from his snarky attitude. I mean, personally, he, he irritates me to no end. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I I think they're capable of existing apart, but I just – I really still like that build that comes together between the two of them. Yeah. And the last question I have before we get into um, our feature topic here, uh, what does the idea of Robin mean today? to you to me robin even even played darker and this kind of goes into what we were previously talking about is kind of like kind of the the contrast to batman batman you know very dark in clothing whereas robin has the the you know more colorful more lighter uh, you know lighter style and batman is the more serious you know, not really a jokey type. Whereas Robin, even even Damien, is a little more snarky, or in the early days with Dick Grayson, more witty and uh, jovial. Mm-hmm. Just he he works really well as a contrast to Batman. So that if you don't necessarily like Batman's style, you're going to find something in Robin that can still make the stories enjoyable. And keep the readership coming in. Definitely, definitely. So, like we said, we're going to be looking at Young Justice, Season 3, Episode 8. And this is, like I said, going to be a commentary track. But before we do that, we're going to pause right here, play a couple promos. And I wonder what promo I'm going to play right here. You'll Mm -hmm. be able to figure it out in just a second. And when we come back, we're going to be looking at Young Justice. See you on the other side. Given her own will, her first hit left her feeling only disdain. She ran to Gotham's no man's land, learned from Barbara Gordon's hand, the studs, the legacy of Cassandra Kane. Rising from the devastation of no man's land, a new warrior joined the Bat family. Daughter of David Kane and Lady Shiva, trained from birth to be the ultimate killer, but choosing instead to save lives. She's been Batgirl, Black Bat, and Orphan. She is Cassandra Kane. Join Mike Staley as he goes through every appearance of one of DC's most underrated characters in Silent Night, the Cassandra Kane Podcast. 
on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and at silentnight.podomatic.com. Robin B20. All right, we're back. So Young Justice. Now, the funny thing is, as Mike and I were talking this all out and getting everything set up, I think the day that we were talking about, all right, this is the day we're going to record, I actually picked up, and physical copy here, uh, Young Justice and the Outsiders, season three on DVD, the things that nobody has anymore, but I had to pick it up uh, just because I have the other uh, sets on DVD. So if you don't have the DC Universe, which is where this is where the two of us are going to be watching the show from. So if you don't have it, I know you can literally run out to your local Walmart and pick this up. Silly Rob, like I do sometimes, I got my show notes right in front of me and I skipped over an entire line that actually tells you what the episode is and what the episode number is. So this is episode eight of season three of Young Justice, and this is Trip Tech. So there we go. So this is, you'll hear me say this is the first episode on disc two of the DVD that I'm telling you that I bought, but I didn't tell you, hey, Rob, what episode are we watching? Trip Tech. The eighth episode, season three, Young Justice. Okay, back to the show. And this episode is the first episode on disc two of the set, and it would be the Nightwing disc. And uh, Superboy is on uh, disc one, Nightwing is disc two, Halo is disc three, and I am totally blanking on his name, um... Forager, oh my gosh. Uh, the adorable Forager is on disc four, and it has the bonus contents, or the same bonus contents that are on the DC Universe. It's the uh, Whitney Moore uh, behind-the-scenes uh, featurette. So it's really cool that they came out on DVD, and I didn't think that it was probably going to get a proper DVD release, but I'm, I'm glad for maybe those people that don't have uh, the subscription service with DC Universe, you can uh, check it out that way. We've got our closed caption up and running, and we're going to do a Lethal Weapon style. We'll count from one to three, and we're going to press play on three. So I'm set at zero, zero, and Mike, I believe you are set at zero, zero. I am. As well. All right, so we will count to three, and we'll press play on three if I can do any more uh, horrible talking here. So here we go. One two, three, and press play. And a DC Universe logo, lo, see, logo should be appearing. So did you watch these when they were initially out, um, you know, releasing, I think they released three episodes a week, if I remember correctly. Um, actually, I did not, to be honest, I have been uh, working on going through the series from the start. Mm, cool. I think this is so cool that they have from the previous season or from season two and the what seven year gap uh, mm-hmm. between the two that Barbara is now Oracle. So when we last saw her, she was fully uh, Batgirl in the uh, previous season. So that was kind yeah. of one of those where I was like, "Holy crap! Oracle is uh, Oracle's in this." And I still, I still miss Oracle. I was actually whining ab- about her a little bit on uh, on Twitter the other day about how so many characters are able to evolve. Uh, mm-hmm. Like all three Robins uh, have gone on to other identities, but Babs became Oracle, and now they've brought her back to being Batgirl. It's like they refuse to just let her evolve. I, I think they like the. It's almost like they de-evolved her. Mm-hmm. I think she was such a strong character as Oracle that they were like they felt they had to have Batgirl. You had two solid Batgirls in Cassandra and Stephanie Brown. I think you were fine letting, however, that played out. You had Cassandra as Black Bat at the time, and you had Stephanie as Batgirl. I would have left left Oracle alone if I was DC. Yeah, I'm so kind of getting a kick out of all the. All the little uh, dirty puns from Livewire here. Oh, yeah. Like, Livewire is hilarious in this. We see uh, Cheshire arriving in on the scene here. <laughs> Silas Stone. Who's, who's, 
almost coming off a little uh, narcoleptic there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I'm unconscious. Oh, I'm awake enough to hit the button. Oh, I'm unconscious again. Oh, I'm awake. <laughs> right. It must not have been uh, that lethal of a dose or uh, uh, the shot that he took or the shot to the head. And I love the very slowed down Young Justice uh, theme song. It took me a while to realize that that's the theme song mm-hmm. just played like in a minor key. That's something we did on the Young Justice show. Uh, Jay and I just started going through uh, season one of Young Justice and trying to uh, find all the references to uh, 16, which is a number that uh, the creators of Young Justice put in there, whether it be uh, a location or a timestamp. But the number 16 appears somewhere in every episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this is something I always find interesting. I know why they're doing it for the for us, the viewer, but... The two of them have just had sex, mm-hmm. and yet she's still covering herself up when it's just the two of them there. Right. I get, you know, for us, the viewer, obviously, they have to do that, but it just is it's like, why does she feel the need to cover herself? I'm pretty sure he's seen it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, in the real world, those things don't happen, but hey, this is TV, folks. Yeah, got, got to cover. <laughs> yeah. Um, seeing some of the cast here. And we've got, you know, Artemis and Dick Grayson, and we just briefly saw Forager and Halo, mm. and I think Geoforce. Geoforce, might have, yeah. Yeah. What did you think of Geo? I was really hoping Geoforce was going to be more in his full-blown GF costume, but... Uh, it, well, I'll be honest, since, as I mentioned, I've been working through, from the beginning of the series, I uh, this is my first time seeing what the the Young Justice version of Geoforce looks oh, like. Oh, okay. And I didn't know who it was at first. Oh, wow. Until because I, uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't uh, familiar with the with what his costume in this is. I my main knowledge of Geoforce was from the uh, Batman and the Outsiders uh, Same here. comic from the eighties. Yeah. With Mike. Uh, I, uh, Mike W. Barr just met him uh, almost two years ago now, and uh, Bowling Green had him sign a, a couple issues of Geoforce. I thought he was such a cool character, especially when Jim Aparo was drawing him. Mm-hmm. We've got a Cheshire here. Yeah. <laughs> Cheshire getting fixed here from the doctor. I wasn't sure how Forager was going to work in this. I thought, oh, really? That's they're adding the Forager type character, but uh, and it took me a little bit that it's the same voice actor that uh, voices Wally. Huh. Sorry, I just I had to turn down the volume of the show itself. I was having a little trouble hearing you there for a second. <laughs> oh, sorry. There we go. I, I'm all good now. <laughs> Yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is such a cool character, being able to phase in and out that and become a cloud or a vapor. Yeah, I think there was a character in the in the new X-Men uh, comic uh, several years ago that was similar to that. Mm. that oh, yeah. I remember seeing, like, specifically when the students... Uh, tried to take over the school. Right. The character we're talking about, sorry, is missed here, yes, based yes. on the, the DC show. Don't chatter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've always really liked the Black Lightning uh, character, and this show just really kind of brought him up to an, another level for me. His his importance and his power set and as a character, I think is until recently has really been kind of left off the back burner and, uh, is one I'm glad is kind of back in the spotlight again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, Kurt's got the, that TV show now that also is helping to, to really bring him. Yeah. Bring him out. 
<laughs> kind of, they kind of remind me of Portal. <laughs> I know. Flings. That's what I was thinking, too. What do you think of this version of Halo, which is a radical uh, departure from uh, the blonde-haired white girl version of uh, Halo, and even the the power set is uh, considerably different as well? Yeah, the only thing that's really similar is that uh, naive innocence mm-hmm. that I can see in this version. That's definitely the same, but yeah, a lot of the rest of it is very different. Mm-hmm. We've got mother and daughter here coming face to face. I wasn't sure what I thought about Tigress as a character. I'm, I kind of missed uh, her as just being Artemis or the quasi Arrowette, if you will. But I really kind of like the Tigress's character. And it, it seemed at the end of season two that her costume was really kind of generic. I'm like, really Tigress. But, uh, as this season goes, I was really starting to like, like her and she didn't feel like a, a green arrow knockoff. Like for whatever reason, they didn't want to use Arrowette. So they just had her, calling herself you know artemis this actually feels like she is her own character excuse me in the show yeah they they there was a lot of that early for her because of course you know dressed like green arrow named from a wonder woman character yeah well we've arrived in the bat cave folks with uh tim drake telling about his outing that he had here and the outfit kind of reminds me of the batman arkham city outfit yeah, yeah, very, very much. I think initially okay. there's a, there's our first shot of uh, Cassandra, Stephanie, and there's Arrowette here, which I was pleased to see. So I would take a whole, and I've said this before. I would love a a Young Justice ish series, but have it be Tim and you know like three leading women with Stephanie, Cassandra, and then throw in Arrowhead or something like that, but could have a real, almost like Golden Girl, no, Golden Girls, geez. Um, <laughs> yeah, Golden Girls, that's exactly what we want here, folks. <laughs> I would just want to see see that opening. Yeah. Such a cool move uh, from Cassandra right there. Screw you, Arrowhead. Yeah. Of course she cared. <laughs> She knows more about killing than you ever will. <laughs> right. She don't like it. Uh, this is really close to being the James Tynan Detective Comics team right here. Mm, yeah, got just a Cassandra. different uh, Clayface. Yeah, different Clayface. Because uh, this one's the Matt Hagen version as opposed to the Basil Carlo, Carlo one that becomes really good friends with Cassandra. Yeah, which I thought was a great relationship. I did not see that uh, coming in the in the book. Yeah, I, I loved his helping her to learn to speak through Shakespeare. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Mad Hatter, the it's either one of Batman's underrated villains or a villain that probably should have never been. I don't know what side of the fence I'm on. Some some issues with Mad Hatter, I think, are, are really fun, but I think he's just a one-note villain, and aside from the Alice in Wonderland theme, you can only play that so long till it starts starts getting old really fast. I did love in uh, the uh, Batman the Animated Series when uh, he stuck Batman in that dream of just being Bruce Wayne. And you yeah. know, kind of giving him his fantasy. Yeah, that was a great episode. A perchance to dream, I think. Is that Clayface, protect me. You punch yourself again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I gotta say that Clayface is in my top five Batman villains. And we were just talking before the show about seeing Birds of Prey. Black Mask is also in that uh top five. Batman villains for me, which Black Mask isn't in this, but just seeing Clayface made me think of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, I really wanted more of this throughout Young yeah, Justice. It it's kind of a shame that this episode was split into three parts because we're not able to really feature all of these characters as well because we're splitting between the stories so much. Yeah. And if you remember the first initial image that came out, um, here's Tim seeing Robin that the uh, building's wired to blow. But uh, you had all of these characters right here. I don't even know if Geoforce was in the original lineup image, but I thought, oh, wow, we've got... Spo- you know, Isley noticed spoiler and Robin with the hood, and people were wondering, you know, was it was it Damien or who it was? But a lot of those characters on that sheet, Blue Beetle, uh, the first, like, hey, Young Justice is coming back. They only get one episode, and this is Tim would get a maybe two or three more episodes, I think, from uh, season three. But this is probably his his best episode here, and as far as. Um, everybody else, this is their only shot other than like some group stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where a blessing and a curse because you have so many characters and you want to give everybody a chance to be featured. But when you have so many and you're featuring so many, none of them are really going to get a chance to really show what they can do. Right. It's cool to see all of them, but it sometimes feels like it could be better to have just a few and put more focus on them. I mean, with uh, Justice League Unlimited, they had a lot of characters, but they made sure that if they were going to feature one in an episode, that character got the feature in that episode so we could enjoy it, and then they'd move on to other ones. Yeah. Here's a shot of Sportsmaster, and I think this is the only Sportsmaster episode. I love this. Here's the Barry Allen. <laughs> it's just <yeah>, so cool. <laughs> Where are you well, at on yeah. the... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. It's like, come on, man. It's Sportsmaster. Of course it's a weapon. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Why would you not think that, that it would be? And the biggest weapon for Abracadabra, of course, is, is his chest hair. <laughs> well, of course. The most powerful weapon. <laughs> Buttons on a shirt? I don't need no stinking buttons. Maybe one. Please keep punching. <laughs> That's funny. That was... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Fear not. <laughs> not. <laughs> I was really surprised that they, they're they not afraid to let some of the characters grow up and become other things. We've got, instead of Aqualad here, he is Aquaman, uh, Calderon now. Mm-hmm. Yep, because uh, Arthur had become a full-time uh, ruler of Atlantis, so he's mm-hmm. down focusing on that. That's so cool that, you know, we're in the... So those of you that may be coming in... In the previous seven episodes, Batman and some key leaguers have basically left the Justice League. And what you are slowly finding out in this episode is that Batman, surprise, has his own covert team uh, going on here with the help of Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and uh, Tim's you know, Robin team, if you will, and uh, with the help of Oracle. So this is, there's a couple little subset divisions uh, going on, and the main league is really unaware of what's going on at this point. But a little bit like the original uh, Batman and the Outsiders team, where yeah. Batman quit the Justice League and formed the Outsiders. It's just with a different group, and uh, you know, done in different ways. Mm-hmm. Which I think was also a play on, you know, the name. Outsiders and a different version of the Outsiders will form throughout here. And I love that uh, our our current Aquaman here, 
voiced by the same guy that voices Cyborg on Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, which yeah. makes the, Payton, the interactions between those two characters so much more interesting with oh, the more yeah. wild Cyborg and the very subdued uh, Aqua, Aqualad. I love this Batman and Robin scene here with uh, Clayface. As, as brief as it was, again, mm-hmm. going through what's all part of Batman's plan. And I got to say, too, that they really dug deep for characters. They just didn't rely on, which, like we were talking earlier, is a could be a good problem to have, a bad problem to have. You've got so many characters that, you know, if you've been watching now three seasons of Young Justice up to this point, you want to see those core characters that you fell in love with. But now we're introduced to more characters, which kind of slides some others maybe to the back burner a little bit, but gives you a chance to see just how deep DC's bench of characters are. And some of them, this is their, you know, first outing in, you know, a decade or, or more. Yeah. Like with, uh, with Cassandra, this was really her first proper appearance in any kind of media outside of like a, an uncredited cameo in, uh, justice league unlimited ones. Right. And her time in this was a little brief. What did you think of her costume for um, this? It was pretty close to what her current one looks like, with some slight differences. Um, it it didn't have the the yellow that her current one has. Uh, it kind of had a little bit of a a, a Catwoman from Batman Returns vibe with all mm. the stitching all over it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the mask was very much what her current mask is. They gave her a little bit more of a shawl or a, a cloak as opposed to a cape. Mm-hmm. This is an actually a really good creepy shot. Oh yeah, him coming With up the from shade the floor. There. Yeah. Wonder Woman's not totally sure if she's on board with what's going on here. Well, it kind of comes with being the spirit of truth. Right. Because you got our trilogy, you know, Batman, the spirit of uh, justice, Superman, the spirit of hope, and Wonder Woman, the spirit of truth. Maybe uh, Tim, <laughs> poor choice of words. Awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. I like that. Well, the that's dark what is you Batman's thing. Yeah, but Batman points out something really good there. Do you expect Superman to lie under oath? Like you just said, Superman's like the spirit of, you know, hope. Hope shouldn't be in a position to lie. Well, this is awkward. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awkward. Love this shot. Anybody want a peanut? (laughs) Right. Those episodes go by so quick. So hopefully this is a a little taste for some of you that are wanting to check out Young Justice if you didn't get a chance to, or I know I had gotten some messages over the last year, people like, oh, what what were your thoughts on, you know, Tim Drake's, you know, return to Young Justice? So you got to hear some of them here. Uh, What did you think of this episode as far as Robin being in it? And then we'll go to uh, your character. Uh, How was Tim used in this? And did he get to chance to you know shine him a spotlight uh i do feel in their uh, section uh tim probably got the best opportunity to shine mostly because he was the one leading the charge he was the one explaining to batman what had happened um so he definitely got more of a showcase uh between his group as opposed to uh orphan arouette and uh spoiler and I think, unsurprisingly, he handled it well. He was trained by Batman. Of course, he's going to be a good uh, lead presence in this in this group. Mm-hmm. And he, of course, he's the one who finds the the bombs. He's the one who helps Clayface, lets him know that he's clean. I, right. I think for the short amount of time that he was there, I think uh, that Tim was was pretty well shown. Now, 
I didn't get a chance to say it while she was. I think I may even misspoke. I think I may have called her Black Bat. Forgot she was. No, I think uh, I said Orphan. Orphan. Okay, I thought I did. I couldn't remember. Where do you do you like the name Orphan for Cassandra, or do you prefer? Obviously, she couldn't. Well, I don't know why she couldn't be Batgirl because Stephanie's clearly spoiler, and Barbara is clearly Oracle. So that would have left the door wide open for Cassandra. But I guess since people have been reading the James Tynan run at the time that this was out. She is currently orphan or are you okay with orphan as far as a character name? And would you have wanted her to be Batgirl in this? I kind of, I, I never expected her to be Batgirl mostly just because even though Barbara's not doing it at this point, I think they're still really trying to establish her as orphan. I wouldn't have minded her being Black Bat, but I can definitely understand why they would want her to be Orphan since that's the version of her that is currently in the comics. Right. So I think that's what they wanted to promote. As far as uh, the Orphan character itself, I don't have any huge issue with it. I get where they came up with the idea of, you know, taking the name that her father had used um, and making it her own. I would have it would have been really cool to see her as Batgirl, see the the that old Batgirl costume mm-hmm. in an animated feature. But I can understand why they didn't. And eh, Orphan as a name doesn't grate on me. It, it did a little bit initially, but that's mostly just because I wanted either her to be Batgirl or to be Black Bat. So mm-hmm. the idea of just a, this brand new name Initially, I wasn't keen on, but yeah, I don't have a huge, huge problem with it. I mean, it's not like they called her Kane or Drake. Oh, wait, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, (laughs) This was this was a lot of fun. When you suggested this, I was like, wow, I didn't I didn't think anybody was going to pull Young Justice and it wasn't even on my radar. I thought, well, if anybody's going to talk about Young Justice, it'll be. You know, Jay and I on our our sister show, and we're so far away, we're still covering the Bendis run and going back to the uh, 98 run, and we only just recently did episode one and episode two right before uh, Christmas, and we actually released it in the new year. So I thought, man, by the time we get to season three, it's going to be 12 years (laughs) before before we get there. So this was a lot of fun to, uh, to, uh, to do. Yeah, like I said, I had been looking at this uh at this doing this episode at some point uh for a while because as i said it's like the only real bit of media outside of the comics that cassandra has been in so i was really looking for an opportunity to watch watch it with someone discuss it so when you suggested hey you want to do something uh for robin's 80th and this was like the first thing that popped into my head was, well, there's two Robins and my girl Cassandra in this episode. So why don't we look at that? Yeah, you can't not. So speaking of Cassandra, can you tell the folks out there uh, what show or shows you have going on and where they can find you at? Yes. Well, I, uh, of course, have Silent Night, the Cassandra Kane podcast, which I'm currently showcasing two comics each episode, one from her post-crisis life and then one from her New 52 or, you know, current run era. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just trying to help, you know, get people's attention on her because I really feel that she is very underappreciated and the character has 20 years of uh, history. But so many people, you know, don't even know who she is. I mean, half the people I've seen discussing the Birds of Prey movie are are all like Cassandra Kane. Who's that? Yeah. So I I really am just trying to you know build up knowledge of the character for people because I really think she deserves it. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Stale Dog, and that's with two G's at the end because I was a teenager in the nineties when <laughs> everybody was called Dog, and right. it always had two G's at the end. Right. Like uh, Bug. 
Uh, Fred with two G's. Sorry, Young Justice there. If you haven't watched it, you'll catch it. <laughs> that makes me laugh so much. I may even swipe that audio and throw that in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, well, sir, this has been a blast to do. Thanks for being uh, the guinea pig on this. And the, the bar, my friend, has been has been set. This was uh, quite a bit of fun. So this is where we're going to end this episode, folks. On the behalf of my guest, Mike Staley, I'm Rob Myers. You've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net. And more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake 80 years of Robin. We will see you guys on the next episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are in the copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. The show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at thebatmanuniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Recognize Superboy B04. Hey, if you stayed after the credits for a little extra, or you could probably tell by your counter that the credits went by and there's still more of the episode. So this is a bonus, a bonus scene, if you will. When Mike got on the call, I had normally once the guests get on the call or Terrence and Ryan, we start recording right away. And just in case we're just making sure all the mics work and everything like that. And I just started to ask Mike, Hey, have you seen Harley Quinn and uh, the birds of prey movie? And uh, he had said, yeah. So we got into a little bit of a conversation. It's a little mini review since his favorite character, Cassandra Kane is in the movie. You get to hear his take on it and my take. So this really doesn't apply to this episode of the show, but I thought this would be good just to tack on a little bit extra. Mike was uh, such a really great, uh, uh, guest co-host on this for the 80th anniversary of Robin and give a little more spotlight to his character, his favorite character, and what he thinks about her first portrayal in a DC live action movie. So here's that little opening discussion. And it kind of starts abruptly because as we were talking, I thought, oh, maybe I'll just hit record in case I want to use any of this. So you'll hear it in its entirety, not edited. And here it is. Record just, just in case. Um, I was saying the same thing to my wife. Like, to me, it was somebody in the movie studio probably went, hey, we could call her Cassandra because she was Batgirl and we got an Asian character. Like, I, I thought that character was funny, but at no point was I like, is Lady Shiva going to show up? Is her father going to show up? Like, at what point is she going to fight, you know, or or whatever? So I'm like, I don't know. That's um, what made the, the ending battle the most infuriating part is the fact that she spends the entire time hiding. running and hiding while everybody else has to protect her. Right. And I'm just sitting in the theater just like, <laughs> You know, I'd have been the same way. Like I was talking to a friend of mine. If they would have put Tim Drake in there like, oh, we got this character. Wink, wink. It's Tim Drake. I'm going, no. No, it's like, <laughs> no, it, no, it's not. It, it's by name only. That person could have literally been an, like anybody. I mean – you could have called the character, made it a blonde girl, and called her Stephanie Brown, and been like, "Oh, okay, this this might be before she's you know, you know, becomes the spoiler or something." Just to- actually, a funny thing about that. While I was sitting through the end credits, because I knew there was a post credit thing. Yeah, same here. Um, I happened to notice one of the credits marked uh, "Dialogue Editor Stephanie Brown." Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I spotted that. that. I was like, hey, Stephanie Brown was the dialogue editor. <laughs> but, you know, I thought, like, as 
as a whole, like I enjoyed it. It made me mm-hmm. laugh and chuckle, but I think it was more one of those fan servicing name drops to be able to say, oh, we have Cassandra Kane in here. I was just like, oh, come on. So I've been really kind of curious to hear, you know, what your thoughts and I know you and if you know Donovan Morgan Grant at all, he's a big. Oh, yeah. He's, he's been on my show. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought he had. I could not remember if he had or not, but I thought, I'm wondering what Donovan is is saying about this. I'm sure he was yeah. uh, probably the same camp as you, not not a fan of In general, of it, it was a fun movie, except for the Cassandra stuff. Yeah. Other than yeah. that, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I admit, I, I did go into nitpick uh, territory a little bit at one point when uh, she sees that wanted poster for Captain Boomerang. Yeah. And my first thought was, I get they're making a reference to the previous movie, but he's from Central City. Why is there a wanted poster in Gotham for him? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which admit is, an, is a nitpick. I know it was there for the sake of, hey, reference to the previous movie. Right, right. Just as much as they threw in, uh, well, I guess it works for Ezra Miller to be there when Captain Boomerang is is captured, but it's really quick, like, hey, we need to throw his character in there, or what's... Like, they could have had... A Deadshot, Will Smith, I thought would have been to have his picture on that wall, and you would go, oh, okay, well, Deadshot could be in Gotham City. I could see where Harley mm. would pick that or up. Or even Croc. But, oh, Croc would have been even better, Yeah. So, yeah, that was one of those. I was just like, hmm, all the Cassandra fans. I wonder. I <laughs> told my wife, I was like, I'm going to be speaking to you tomorrow. So I'm really curious if it was like, Rob, I got to flip over a couple tables first. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to be recording the next episode of uh, Silent Night uh, mm. probably later on this evening. And oh, cool. I will be speaking on, on that. Pretty much just the same thing I said to you, though. I'm not going to rant and rave. I'm just going to express my views and i'm gonna avoid spoilers because it's it's still early i don't want to yeah. you know spoil things for people yeah um the uh the end credit thing i thought was funny because i told my I, I knew there was something i didn't know what it was and then when it ended she's like we stayed for that i, was, <laughs> I, I had no idea <laughs> Because, you know, it's just been like, hey, a superhero movie, there's going to be something, at least a little stinger. And I was like, I did not think it was going to be three words or four words or whatever. You know, it was or actually two sentences, I guess. But, yeah, uh, I thought it was going to be like a reference to that Batman movie that's just started production. Yeah. Uh, that's what I thought they were they were going to go with. Where, like she was going to tease something about the movie. Mm-hmm. But no, it's just, okay. Should tell you. Now, Batman cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was almost like she was going to say, like, who Batman was or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it made me chuckle. I'm like, that's it's funny. <laughs> it's funny that we waited, you know, 15 minutes for, for, for two sentences. But uh, You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. 